You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning. See if I can demask and remic at the within a reasonable amount of time before you lose faith in my abilities here to put a simple microphone on. I won't be offended if you do because these microphones are always tricky for me. Um But my name is Chris Griffin. We're going to be in James chapter number one. You can turn there whenever you'd like. Um, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We are so blessed this morning to be able to meet here today and not have to fear um, government intervention in that. But we are blessed to be together and worship the Lord Um, As we come to this text, I have a question for you. Have you ever felt ineffective? Me too, me too. Um, I have felt ineffective more often than I'd like. Um, I've felt ineffective oftentimes when given a job that I don't know how to do. I don't know if you've had this fun experience in your life, but your parent says, here, go do this, and they think you, like all other normal people, should know how to do this thing, but you don't know how to do this thing, and you go try to do that thing, and you're sitting there by yourself just uh, failing. The other week, not a parent involved in this, um, just me, um, I was, I had 30 minutes till I needed to leave to go to a meeting. And I also needed to do something to my car. And I, I thought, I've done this thing before. It took about 30 minutes. No big deal. Last time I did it, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have little people living in my home who were trying to help me um, do things like this. And... Um, that 30 minutes went by so quickly, and um, <laughs> I was no closer <laughs> at the end of the 30 minutes than I'd been at the beginning of the 30 minutes. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I felt very, very ineffective and uh, did not like that feeling, did not like that experience. Um, but sure enough, I was ineffective. Our text today is going to speak to us if at times we are feeling ineffective in our Christian life. If we feel like we are failing, we're falling behind, we're not being the effective Christian that we're called to be. Now, I'll just be honest with you. you know, the title of this sermon is Becoming an Effective Christian. I don't naturally love titles that sound catchy, or, but it's in our text. So I thought it was okay to use that title because in our text today, in James 1, and we'll start reading verse 18, 
he talks about becoming an effectual doer or a effective Christian. And, and so let's go to James chapter 1 verse 18 and we'll begin reading and, and we'll see what God has to say about us becoming an effective Christian. This isn't everything that God has to say, but this is something for us to hear this morning for our good. James chapter 18, or chapter 1 and verse 18. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Fathers, we come to this word as we uh, want to hear what it says, not what I say, but what it says to us today. Uh, We want to be changed by it, Lord. We want to worship you as we read it and understand it. And as we live it out in our Christian lives, Lord, we want to be changed. We want to be different. We want to love you as you've called us to love you. We want to live as you've called us to live. And we do want to be effective Christians, Lord. We don't want to be hearers only anymore. But we want to be doers, effectual doers, Lord, that honor you in our Christian life. And so, Lord, may this grow. May, as we are becoming effective Christians, Lord, may we only grow more in this. In Christ's name, amen. So, as we come to this text and and we consider the idea of becoming an effective Christian— Uh, I think you see my four points behind me. The effective Christian is reborn. The effective Christian repents. The effective Christian receives God's word. And the effective Christian remembers God's word. These four points are just four descriptions of this text and what it's going to say to us about being an effective Christian. And I say it, I titled this, Becoming an Effective Christian, because... There's a sense in which today you may be an effective Christian in a hundred ways. 
And tomorrow, you may, or today even, you may realize there are more ways for you to be more effective in your following of Jesus Christ. And and so we are always becoming what God is making us, and it's to the end of our lives, He is working on us and making us, like the old song said, what we ought to be. And so we are not going to one day become, and that is it, and we have arrived, but we are always becoming what God is making us in to be. We are becoming effective Christians. So, say in a sentence, uh, Christians become Christians by a work of God that begins with being born again, continues with lifelong repentance, continually receiving God's word, and continually remembering to do God's word in their life. Um, the first point, the effective Christian must be reborn. In verse 18, he says, In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Becoming an effective Christian begins with God's work in bringing us to himself. That's where it begins. You must be a Christian to be an effective Christian. If we want a a big picture, this began in a garden a long time ago with two people who said, I'm not going to obey. We, We go a little bit further and the whole world is saying, we're not going to obey and God responds with a flood. We go a little bit further, and there's a man who's worshiping idols named Abraham, and God calls him out and says, stop disobeying and begin to follow me. That man has a nation come from him. And those people say, we're not going to obey. We're going to worship idols and do what makes us feel good. And, And then God sends them all kinds of people to call them to repentance. He gives them judges. He gives them priests. He gives them kings. He gives them prophets. And, And all of these people, the people calling them to repentance, are also not really obeying perfectly either. Then God sends his own son. And this one obeys perfectly. In every way, he pleases the Father. He, he speaks as no man spoke. He spoke with authority, not like a scribe. He taught the law better than the Pharisees, and he fulfilled it like no Pharisee ever could. He did wonders of all kinds. He healed people. He made the blind see. He made the lame walk. He raised the dead to life. He healed one who'd been sick for decades. He healed one who had been dead for four days. This Jesus is the one that we are following. He went to the cross, not by accident, but because he'd set his face like a flint and went to die and obey his Father and save us from our sins. He was killed, but he was raised from the dead that we might be raised as well. This Jesus is the one that we are following. He appeared to over 500 people, so it could not be legitimately denied that he had been raised and he was worthy of our worship. He is alive and he is in heaven preparing a place for us and he will return. This is what 
God has done to make us effective Christians. But he's, he's done more than that. Because at some point, you were born, right? some point, you were born and entered this world. And some way or another, you heard about Jesus Christ. Whether that was your parents, a friend, you, you just entered a church or had someone invite you to church. One way or the other, you heard about Jesus Christ. And you rejected that message. You said, no, thank you. But there came a point when God worked in your heart and called you to himself so that you said yes, and you meant it with all of your heart. And this was the work of God, the exercise of his will by which he brought you into the faith. And as we experienced it, it may have felt like, and it's true that you made all of these decisions along the way. But behind that, those decisions, God was working in your heart to make you want things that you didn't used to want and make you do, say things and repent of things that you used to never would have done. This is the work of God, the exercise of his will by which we are born again. We are reborn and we, this is one necessary, all necessary step for us to become an effective Christian. So point number one, we've been reborn by the exercise of his will. That's what verse 18 is saying. God has done this. And, and, and let's just for a moment think, remind ourselves that all of these points are the work of God in us. We don't get credit for any of this to say, well, I was smarter than someone else, or I'm just more intuitive than someone else, and that's why my Christian life looks this way. No, we, we give glory to God for all of it. It is all His work in us. And, and you know, a lot of times in life, when someone else gets the credit, we don't like it. We, we don't like all the credit. Sometimes if we're honest, at least if I'm honest, I'd like all the credit even if I didn't do all the work. But in this case, he gets all the credit, and we love it. It is good that he gets the credit for what he has done in transforming us and continuing to transform us into effective doers, effective Christians. This is the work of God, that we must be reborn. This happens through the gospel of Jesus Christ us hearing about Jesus' death and resurrection, his salvation for our sin, and we believe it, we receive it, we love it, and our lives are forever changed by this work of God. But the effective Christian isn't only reborn, he must be repenting. Verse number 19 and through 21, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. You know, my natural state is to be slow to hear, really fast to speak, and if I'm honest, quick to anger. And, and let's, let's be honest, 
I'll be honest, uh, you may be different, but for me, um, even when I'm nice, even when I'm polite, oftentimes on the inside, I'm still quick to anger. And so I look really good, maybe, maybe not, maybe I look better than I think I do, but even sometimes when we look really good, there's still, we're quick to anger on the inside. And, and, and we fool, we may fool everybody else, but, but God knows that we're being ineffective. But when this gospel of Jesus Christ that we've just been talking about takes root in our lives and begins to change us from the inside out, then we become a people who repent of our old ways, and we become a people who are slow to speak, slow to anger, and fast to hear. This is the working of the gospel in our lives. This is not our natural state, but it is the work of God in us. And and I'll just be honest with you, I'm still being transformed in this. Uh, My wife can tell you that I still fail daily in this. But by God's grace, I want to be an effective doer. I want to be an effective Christian who honestly and truthfully, it could be said, these things of me. Not just that I'm nice, not just that I'm polite, not just that I'm adhering to social decorum, but that God has so changed my heart that I'm no longer quick to anger. You, you know, the psalmist says that the Lord is only angry for a moment. When's the last time someone said that about me? When's the last time someone said that about you? Only angry. <laughs> Bill's only angry for a moment. He gets angry, but then it's over. Uh, for most of us, it, we're not there yet. It, but the psalmist also says that the Lord's favor last a lifetime. Who speaks of us like that? That our graciousness, our love, just never seems to end. That is the work of God in us to transform us into what he wants us to be. You know, as we look at this text, as we think about this text, you come with all kinds of needs. You come with burdens, you come with hurts, you come with failures. And I don't know them, but God does. And God can use this text for one person over here has has all these kinds of problems, and someone over there who has all those kinds of problems, and God can speak to both of you as we look at this word and give you what you need from his word. I can't do that, but God can do that. And when he does it, it's beautiful. Have you experienced it lately when God convicts you of something that you've been struggling with, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your parents, maybe with your children, and you've just been at odds and odds and odds, and it's all their fault? And then God convicts you of your sin in the matter, and you repent. And God changes your heart about the situation and about the people involved. And it's just glorious when the Lord works in us. 
And, and if you're a Christian, you can think back, I believe, to moments in your life where God taught you something or God changed you. And those are precious moments in the Christian life when God just reaches into a situation and makes you an effective Christian or makes you an effective doer of his word. Because you've not only heard it many times, but you, it takes root and you begin to do what God has called you to do. It's not our natural state. It's a work of God in us, and it is glorious. And, and he says in the text that we need to put off and put, or put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness because of no matter how holy you are, no matter how holy I am, there are the, still these effects of sin that must go away. The Lord must take away. Uh, it, it, he talks about it. Well, in some ways, like putting off an old garment that we used to wear. Think of uh, maybe you used to work for a business or a company where you had to wear a uniform. Let's, let's use a fun one, Blockbuster. It would be weird if you came in here with a Blockbuster uniform, if it's not Halloween, because we all know, at least around here, there's no Blockbusters. In the same way, he's calling us to take off the old uniform of our old life, and begin to be, and continue to be, an effective doer of the word. Don't wear that old uniform anymore. That's not who you work for. That's not who you are. Again, I want to be set careful to say that this is a work of God, but it is also a work that we are involved in. Philippians 2.12 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In verse 13 for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is at work in our repentance, and we're at work as well because of his work. Second Timothy 2.24 says that God's servant must not be quarrelsome because when he's correcting people, he needs to do it with gentleness in case God might grant them repentance. And so we are working and we are trusting God to work in us and in others. This is a part of the effective doer, the effective following of the Lord. It, this repentance must be deep. It must go deeper than we alone can go. This repentance is lifelong. The, the, the reformer said that we're always reforming. It's not something that happened 20 years ago or 10 years ago. It should have happened today, yesterday, and it'll probably need to happen today. This repentance is lifelong. And we, as Christians, embrace that and say, this is good. It's especially easy to say it when other people repent. But if we're honest, it's good when we repent as well and do what God has called us to do. It's, it's not always easy. A lot of times I don't want to repent because the thing I need to repent over is that I'm angry with you because you did something I want to say is stupid. That's the word I want to use. And, and the truth is, but I did a lot of stupid things along the way, but the only stupid thing that I want to talk about is what somebody else did. 
I don't want to repent, but how good it is when we obey the Lord and follow it, his word for us and repent. So it involves a repentance, a sorrow from sin, a sorrow for sin that leads to a turning from sin, a turning from sin that leads to or includes a forsaking of sin and following after our Lord Jesus So the effect of Christian must be repenting. But the effect of Christian must also be receiving God's word. Verse 21, the rest of it. In humility, this is the only way to receive his word. Jesus said we must come like little children, needy and humble. You come with your pride. You come with your wisdom. You'll not receive the word of God. You won't need the word of God. You must come needy. I must come needy to him and receive his word. We need to receive this word that he has put in us. It is the implanted word of God. We receive something that God has already began to do. He said, verse 19, Christians... You know this. You, you know this. I'm not telling you something new. I'm telling you something you know that's already been implanted in you, but that you need to continually receive and go back to, and your heart needs to say yes to this again. What happened 10 years ago, 5 years ago, a few weeks ago isn't enough. We need to say yes to God's word today. In our hearts. So we need to receive this word that God has implanted. It's still a work of God in us that we even we receive it. But we must receive it. This word is able to save us. And there's multiple ways we, we mean that. There's, there's a way, there's a sense in which God's word saves us. The gospel as we believe it from hell. But the whole Christian life we're being saved from our sin as well. And there's one day that we're going to be saved from the very presence of sin when we are in God's presence. This word is able to save us. And so we must go to it. A few months ago, we looked at a passage in Psalms and we thought about it and said, if we could look for a better list of what we want God to do for us, could we find it in a better list than what God has said he's going to do for us in his word. You, you know, it, it's, it's normal in our world that the new thing or the next thing is the best thing. If you can get next year's model of the iPhone or next year's model of the Galaxy phone, then you'll be happy, then you'll be complete, then your world will be as it's meant to be. Because that special phone is magic, and if you have it, you'll be happy. The problem is, next year's coming, and they'll bring out another phone, and your phone will be trash now. It was amazing last year. It's junk today. You need to go get another one if you want to be happy and complete and satisfied in life. What does that tell us? That these worldly wisdom that our world wants to sell us is all bunk and no good. That if we're going to be satisfied, then we must look to God's word. It's really old. It's really true. 
And by his grace, it's really life-changing. And so we go to it, and we eat, and we are fed. And, and you know, there, there, there are a lot of meals um, where you go to and you eat and you are fed. Uh, Thanksgiving's coming up sooner or later. And uh, Christmas is coming after that. And we're, we're going to be having meals where we are tempted to eat more than we should. Get to that into that meal... And as we get older, young people, you don't know about this yet, probably. But as you get older, you, you finish that meal and you're like, I'm not sure I can go anywhere today. I think I'm going to have to stay in this spot till Tuesday. But the Word of God is a meal that you won't eat and have a sick belly after. You will be full and satisfied and surprisingly ready for more. This is the work of God in us, and we rejoice in it. This is his work in us to make us effective Christians. Finally, the effective Christian must be remembering the word of God. Why do we say remembering? Well, it starts with an R. Uh, I like alliteration today. I hope you do. But, but that's not the only reason. There were other R words in, that we could have used. Remains, that, that was a good one. And, and you probably thought of ten. I, I could only think of two. Uh, but you probably thought of more. Um, but why do we say remember the word of God? Because James uses a picture of forgetting. And he's saying the, the problem... For us, the re- one reason we're ineffective at times in our Christian life is not because we don't know what we're supposed to do. It's because we forget it. That means at that moment, the Word of God is not in front of us. Our desires are in front of this. He talks about this earlier in the chapter. And he says, when, you're, when you sin, it's because of your own sinful desires. You, you desire something, you long for it, you love it, you have to have it, and you'll go break any kind of God's laws to have it. You forget. Sorry, Mr. Microphone. You forget. And I forget that if we're going to be satisfied, it won't be in an iPhone or in a sin but it will be in Jesus Christ, and it will be in his word. We are so, I'll say, I am so forgetful at times that where I will be satisfied, and I think it's in my pleasures, or getting what I want, or getting what I need, or getting respect, or being loved by people, and not knowing that God has already loved me and accepted me in Jesus Christ, and so I don't have to worry what other people think, even though I struggle not to do that. This word is for us that we should remember because we so often forget. The, 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 the person who hears and forgets, he says, is a person who deceives themselves. Our sin isn't only evil, it deceives us. We are deceived by it. He says that they not only are deceived by it, but they forget. And this reminds me of the parable of the sower. These seeds are distributed. One of the people take it up, love it, 
and then forget that they love it, forget that they want it, and go on and leave the Lord, and the seed dies. And the Christian life at times can look that way. Now, not in a, I walk away from the faith and I never come back since. That, that's a person who is not truly a Christian. But at times, there can be micro moments in our life, and sometimes it feels more than micro moments in our life where we forget and we do not follow the Lord, and we're a forgetful hearer. Isn't it funny to think about this illusion, this symbol he uses? I don't know if you care about your appearance. I don't mean that negatively. That could be a backhanded, you know, compliment. I don't. You don't seem to care about your appearance. You might think, I don't seem to care about mine. Uh, I got married, my wife does, and so she helps. But, but this is something that some of us think about all the time. I had a buddy in college. He seemed to have a, a, a different shoe for every day, a different jacket for every day, a different everything for every day. I had one pair of shoes, and those shoes were going to get me from there till the end. Or until I had to go buy another pair of shoes. I had one jacket. And that one jacket was going to get me from there until the end. I, I didn't need, why would I have another? This one does fine. But of course, uh, ladies and men who have any fashion sense, you know, you have to, um, what's the word? It has to all go together. You, you, all those words, yes. That, that's what it has to do. But, so, so what a, a funny illustration, because we think about our appearance so much. And, and so how funny if, you know, you, you went out today, and, or I went out today, and I had shaving cream on my face. And you said, uh, that's a new look. And uh, I said, thank you very much. And you said, oh, no, you've got shaving cream. That's, that's not a good look. And, and, and oh, I, I looked at myself in the morning and put this on, and then I just forgot about it. I just went out. You, you'd think I was insane. You, you, but in the Christian life, that's what at times we are doing. We're looking in the mirror of God's Word, hearing what He says, and seeing ourselves in our sin, and then we just walk away like we didn't see, and we got shaving cream all over ourselves, and we act like we didn't even see it. We're a forgetful hearer. But he says the one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, this one is an effectual doer, and this man or woman will be blessed. Do we not want the blessing of the Lord? We all do. We all want to see that blessing in our life. And so it's not only looking, but it's looking intently, deeply, carefully, meditatively, longing by God's grace to be changed by his word. This man or woman will be blessed in what they do. So we're going to conclude, but we're going to conclude, I guess, in an odd way, but I'm for it. Uh, We're going to conclude this sermon from James 1 by meditating on Psalm 30, 11, and 12. Psalm 30, 11, and 12. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. 
You have loosed my sackcloth, sackcloth and girded me or dressed me with gladness that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Why do we end with this psalm? Because the effective Christian remains in the word. He remembers it. And this must lead to worship of the one true God. This must lead to delight in our God. And then we will be effective Christians. May it be so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you can take mourning and turn it into dancing. We thank you, Lord, that you can dress us with gladness. Lord, we thank you that you can so change our hearts that we want to give thanks to you forever and worship you. As we consider this word about being effective doers, effective Christians, Lord, may it lead to worship of you. And may we be changed because of it. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.